you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. NFL podcast. Didn't file taxes on time. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast presented by the United States Marine Corps. My name is Dan Hansis. I'm joined in a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. File is that still a thing? Like hitting the deadline? I guess it is. I mean, yeah, it's just clearly yeah. a very old one because that doesn't come up for another six months, right? Right. Maybe we could have had a better. I've never practice. filed my own taxes for years. My mom did it for me, and then I shifted right to having uh, my wife do it for me. I've never touched. It's also a political software. sort of topic right now. You oh, know, so okay. it, it's a little bit of both. You could. Oh, oh, hmm. with the you president know, and getting his I mean? financials revealed. Yeah. Got it. Good tie so, in. All right, we nailed it. So, Greg? Well, well, that's us. Always right, you know, with our finger on the pulse of the (laughs) political world. (laughs) This is the Week 11 preview show, and we got a lot of content coming your way, as we always do, uh, especially this time of week. So we're going to preview all of the Sunday games, the Monday night game, uh, which is in Mexico City, by the way. How about that? Uh, And then later tonight, Thursday night, Brown Steelers, Dirt Nap 2, they're calling it, for the Browns, uh, who clawed their clawed their way out of the grave and now have a chance to go whistling through the graveyard, Mark. And that will be a podcast that lands late this evening. They take a second dirt nap. I might go with them. <laughs> now no, there's a lot of pressure on the game. Uh, you got, they'll be 12 feet under if they lose this game. Um, and also, since you can watch this live right now on YouTube, which is a cool little thing because not only do you get to get a sneak preview of the show before people that listen on podcasts, you can also interface with the community, the Around the NFL podcast community, and Ricky Hollywood, who keeps her eye yeah. on, on this type of stuff. See, Mark's excited. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I initially did not like that sound drop, but as I was coming in today, I thought, I know it's going to occur multiple times during the show, and it's, it passively removes the need for me to speak or do any work. So, all on board. It's that time of year. Uh, and one one more program note. If you are watching this live, just know that uh, I will be filling in on Game Day View later this afternoon. Greg Rosenthal's program 
uh, with Cynthia <laughs> Freeland picking all of the Week 11 games. I'll be filling in the host chair for that. I'm excited for this. Nice. It'll also be – it airs on NFL Network on Saturday two times, including I think what – I think it's 8 a.m. Eastern – and then uh, midnight Eastern or 9 p.m. Pacific. That's the one, if I was going to watch it, that's it, yeah. the 9 p.m. Pacific. That's a good time slot. And it, I will, I did, uh, Greg said he's excited. We do have some audio that I procured um, about a day ago. So let's let's listen to this. Mm. Hey, Dan. Oh, hey, Greg, what's up? I hear you're hosting Game Day View today. Yeah, I just thought I could help out. I don't care. Listen to me. Game Day View is my show. <laughs> So cut out all that signature Hansis bullshit, will you? All right, man, I'll back off. Yeah, you better back off. It's my property. Rosenthal, ow. It's different than, like, the, the public-facing person and then the person behind That was earlier today. Earlier today. The least believable part of that is he would close with Rosenthal, out. <laughs> I, I, I enjoy you calling your own content signature Dan content. <laughs> well, that was Greg. No, I like you also called it my show. I think Andrew Hawkins and Cynthia, especially you know mm. Cynthia, you know she's got the whole well, like, maybe they model thing as our show or They're, as yeah. my show to them. But to you, it's your show. I no, I just appreciate you not going too hard on the impression or nasal wise. <laughs> I mean, Damashek's is far more withering. Um, <laughs> all right, so I'll be on that as well with Greg looking forward to it. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to go through all the games um, and we do a draft style and we always do. And Mark, it is your turn once again to lead off the draft. Mark has become... In a lot of ways, he's the wild card of the show. And uh, when it comes to this draft, it's no different whether it's what are his motives. That's the thing that I'm trying to figure out now that we, we're about 10 weeks in. Um, ostensibly, it's about picking the best games. Is that always where Mark's head's at? That is the question. And with the number one overall pick, it's right there. That's when you could really dig into this um, ongoing soap opera. I'm going to go a little atypical of what I normally do. You probably think I'm going to grab like Jets, oh, Redskins yeah. or something. Right, right. Uh, I'm going the most fascinating game of the week. Even though I know everyone else is going to be watching it and discussing it and making comments while I attempt to cover it on my own on my own television. But Houston at Baltimore. Mm. Minor upset. Oh, that is also... It's time now for the road to victory right off the bat. There we go. Let's Presented get that Presented by the United today. States Marine Corps. Why'd you pick it, Mark? I just, you know, I spent my life uh, feeling antagonistic towards the Ravens, and I'm over it at this point because they are the most interesting team in the AFC uh, by far at this point. I love little little wrinkles that they roll out each week. Last week, their Heisman package, where you have Mark Ingram, RG3, and Lamar Jackson on the field at the same time, and making plays RG3 in that one little package. And I, Greg Roman, who you know, stock up when he was with the Niners, eventually fell away there and, and, and went on to a couple different places after that. This is Greg Roman's dream, basically, what's happening with Lamar Jackson. And I really struggle to see a way in the, in, in, that, the, that the Texans can win this game. I think this mm. is Baltimore set up very well to punish. And, you know, I know it was the Bengals last week, but it's every week. The Ravens punish teams in a way that no other club in the league is doing right now. And I'm all for... These a, a, zigging when everyone else is zagging. You are run heavy. You know it's coming. You know you're going to throw the ball 14 times to your tight ends. No one seems to be able to stop it. I do think the Texans played one of their best defensive outings before the bye, minus J.J. Watt, and that was encouraging. But 
that's going to be a struggle to not have J.J. Watt in this game. I think the Ravens take care of business in a less than close matchup wow. than some might think. I was expecting you to lock it up at the end of all that. You were so confident. I don't even think that you could lock this game up. Well, of course you could. I'm the Texans. I don't know what Whoa. to lock even of, is at this just point. Just out of a lot curiosity. Of, you look in the mirror. That's uh, it. I mean, the Texans are are an up and down team, but they're extremely talented. You know, these are two of, I would say, the top three or four MVP candidates in Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson. The Texans' very best game is, is pretty awesome. I mean, they can run the ball. They should be able to throw it deep better than they really have. And there's really no perfect way to stop Watson on third down. He just creates. Yeah, I'm curious as to why, Mark, you don't believe the Texans have the firepower to keep up with the Ravens. I think they're getting Will Fuller back this week. He's practicing. They might be getting Titus Howard back as well. This is a loaded loaded offense with one of the top five rushing attacks, too. I think if it were in, in Houston, maybe I'd feel a little bit differently, but I'm waiting for someone to... Slow down Baltimore. It, it's not You're that buying I, the Ravens as like yeah. I don't think it's like thirty to three. It's not. It's not that kind of a game. But the Texans. This is this is their heat check. I'm I'm with you, Mark, in the sense that I think the Texans are getting the Ravens at the wrong time. I mean, they are getting them off their bye, Houston, uh, which is good. And the last time we saw the Texans, that defense looked great against the Jaguars without J.J. Watt. But you wonder you know, as time progresses, if it's going to really uh, begin to reveal itself as a major setback for them, which you imagine it will. I love the quarterback matchup. It's as good as any quarterback matchup will get this year uh, in Deshaun Watson versus um, Lamar Jackson, of course. And I just, the the at Baltimore nature of it, I'm kind of with you. I think if this was in Houston, this could be a dogfight. I think the Ravens are so hot right now. They've won five in a row um, that they're going to keep, Rolling. I think it's bad news for the Texans. Well, Hollywood Brown hasn't practiced the first two days of the week, so he's still not back to 100%. I think he really does change you know, who they are in terms of being able to throw the ball deep and throw the ball to the outside. You're not really sure what you're getting from the Texans' defense. The Ravens' defense does look better, that they've kind of solved some of their issues. I think Marcus Peters, obviously, he's had the pick sixes, uh, but he just fits what they do so well. Marlon Humphrey said he's the smartest cornerback he's ever been around, uh, and he's added a lot. There's just something about Marcus Peters with that team. They've settled on Jalen Ferguson as the outside rusher uh, to compliment Judon. He's been okay. At least they've, they're kind of like forming into what they believe they are, but the Texans, to me, are talented enough. I don't. I think they could beat any team on any given Sunday, especially because they've protected Deshaun Watson so well. I think it's one of the biggest surprises of the season is how well they have passed protected night for Watson. Yeah, and, and their, run, their run blocking as well, which has turned um, the combination of Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson into a group that's already piled up Near, nearly a thousand yards and averaged about five yards a carry. Yeah, and Watson scores points in a hurry. Even if they're down, He's streaky. Yeah. Couple touchdowns in the fourth quarter, you can't roll them out. I I am uh, disappointed. The NFL did not flex this game uh, to Sunday night. They had to get in Trubisky. You know, while they still could, Trubisky Goff too. Let's bring it back from Sunday Night Football a year ago. Remember that game? The Rams scored six here? points. Why wouldn't that have been flexed? Because of the markets would be my guess. Because Chicago and L.A. I don't know. This is one. I usually am not very critical of uh, those decisions because they make you don't know. What's no, you are happen. a little. That is certainly in your wheelhouse. Steve. Okay, I'm totally critical. These are the two most exciting players in the league going up against each other. Put them oh, on yeah. TV. You got Trubisky and Goff. Give me a break. I love that Trubisky and Goff get a two attached to it, as if the first showdown right. was so. You well, know, that was Sunday monumental. Night Football too, exactly. And that was a. Uh, can we? And if if the decision's coming down to quote unquote the markets, can we grow up, please? 
Can right. we can we have a little bit of a more above the treetops well, view? Because people up, would this watch this. I assumption. agree. I know. I mean, but if I that is the what past, they're doing, in what this other room, what other good deciding. reason would be for? I guess it's an East Coast game, so they're not you know keeping the Texans there overnight. It's it, but ultimately, I don't think they care about that if they think it's a better game. I mean, it's well, and the NFL has a Rams fascination that they need to get over also. Oh, stop. But who makes the decision? The flex? What does that mean, the Rams' fascination? They are, they are They've won the most regular season I, games other than the Patriots. I, I, I makes, feel totally on target with that, with that concept. It makes sense to me that the Rams have a lot of primetime games late in the season because going into this year, they looked like, other than the Patriots, maybe the safest team to be in the mix. They are a little you know, less watchable. I mean, whenever you can pit the two most disappointing offenses in terms it. of what we expected, why not roll I with that? I think it's a case, Mark, of um, right church, wrong pew with your criticism. I don't know if they're fascinated with the Rams as a team, but they are wholly invested in Los Angeles as a market. Okay. I'm sure people would like me to use different wording around that, uh, but, you know... I, hey, you're, you're the bad boy I of am, NFL media. I'm, not, I'm certainly not the bad boy, but I think I've stuck on this point from, from moment one, you know? You even do it at the, uh, you know, the, talent, the, the talent summit. That, that may be the reason that I'm not hosting any shows today in place of fill in the blank. Mark rolled into the conference room on like a motorcycle, like a chopper, and just got out with his leather jacket and sat in the front row in Rich Eisen's seat. He's like, talk to me. He's, I, like, he's like, what? You just expect us to be a bunch of patsies for the Rams? And they're like, sir, uh, we're talking about HR violations. <laughs> It got and a that, look from Steve Smith. So, And that was The Road to Victory, presented by the United States Marine Corps. Up next, in, oh, yes, Wes? Bad news for uh, our listener, yeah. Luke Nichols at the Rovers 1883, who put a sandwich on Greg saying he's going to watch Texans Ravens even if he doesn't pick it in the draft. So he had to say a, it during that conversation. He had to say it during yep. the No, I won't, fair. though. I don't have a choice. There's eight early games and at a certain point, it, there's there's a way you can't you just can't do that. I thought that was a pretty, pretty good prop, though. I was hoping what Mark would pass on it, obviously, uh, but that's one you can enjoy. I'll enjoy that Sunday night. That'll Ouch. Be first, Sorry, Luke. First game. Luke, Rules to live by. If you tag Greg and let him know, you're, he's he is definitely <laughs> not going to do it or say it just oh, because someone that. said that. But the, that's but you're right. well said. But you're right. <laughs> I mean, I didn't you, see it because I probably have the guy muted, but uh, uh, you're right. no. <laughs> uh Greg, you're up. I am, and uh, I'm not going to mess around. I'm going to take Patriots-Eagles, one of the three nice a- pick, afternoon bro. games, just because nice I, don't, I don't want anyone getting cute, and this is one of the Patriots games I, I desperately want to watch live because I'm fascinated. Wait, define you don't want anyone getting cute. What does that mean? Grabbing uh, this game. And taking this game. I don't want to – I guess I would be the one getting cute and trying to you know hope you guys would leave <laughs> it for me or I didn't have a 4 p.m. game. Whatever. These are two great coaching staffs coming off a bye where they're – obviously disappointed in aspects of their team. In terms of the Eagles, they're just not explosive. Alshon Jeffries missed Wednesday and Thursday's practice, so that's a, a bad sign. And I'm just curious how they're going to come back. You know, they signed Jordan Matthews. That's not going to change who they are. They're pretty good as a ground-and-pound running team with two tight ends on the field, which really is an approach I think that could work against the Patriots. They've struggled a little bit against the run. They've struggled against power personnel like two tight ends three tight ends and it's so different if you think back to you know Super Bowl 52 both of these teams profiles have totally flipped that you know this was such an explosive Eagles offense such a a great Patriots offense and at this point those are the two sides of the ball that are lagging behind and I don't think Carson Wentz is having a bad year 
No. His receivers are I don't think Tom Brady is either. That's the thing. I think the quarterbacks are playing pretty well, but they can only do so much. It was impressive to watch the way that Philly played seems like two years ago against Chicago in London where they had those two long 12 play drives where you know you thought the thing was Chicago's defense if anything could kept, keep them around and they moved the ball but you're right they're not explosive and I the, the plan all along was to have Deshaun Jackson in there and be your guy and he's he's been gone for almost the entire season that's changed their offense they don't have a downfield threat no the best part of their team is Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson and, and Jason Kelsey on the right side and that it's interesting because the, the Patriots have a great secondary, and that's what you want. You want a great pass defense, but I think this is a week that the Eagles might be pretty confident they can keep the Patriots low scoring and that it's going to kind of be an, an ugly type of game. Are these the, Is this the first time these two teams have faced yeah. the Super Bowl? Correct. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. That's interesting. And I will say this, Greg, where is your P-scale on the Patriots offense kind of putting it all together. Do you think it will be a, a typical Patriots season where by December they're shellacking teams on both side of, sides of the ball, or do you think this team is just different than the others? Uh, they're, I think they're different than the others. I think they can improve, though. I don't think they're going to be a top-five offense like they, they have been throughout the entire Gronk era. Will Gronk be playing for them? You know, even in last December, they were pretty terrible on offense. It's really just the playoffs, you know, the, in the AFC that they, they played well on offense. I uh, I'm curious to see if they play crazy hurry up like they did in Baltimore. I think that got totally overlooked. That they played more hurry up in that game than any NFL team did, I think since 2017, and any Patriots team did since 2014. They basically played one personnel package the whole game, and whenever they got a first down, those guys just stayed on the field and they played breakneck. And that's like what they did in 2010, which to me was kind of the Patriots' offensive revolution back then. It's when they turned into a truly dominant offense. I don't know if they're just trying things, if they thought it worked against Baltimore, but I like that idea because it's fun to watch. And I think it's a way, it's a sign they trust their defense in a way because it puts the defense in tough spots sometimes. But play to that defense. That is the strength of your team. It's a massively critical stretch because the Eagles, who are 5-4, and four, you drop this, you have to go and play Seattle next week too. I mean, that the NFC East is the one division you can kind of be a 500 team and be alive until late December, but it would be nice to see them. They're a wild card. Get in a run. Two teams are wild cards. I don't know what we have with this Patriots team yet. No, no result in this game would surprise me. A convincing win by either team wouldn't shock me. I picked the Patriots to win. I, I do think ultimately I trust them a little. I'm more. picking the Eagles. You are. And I'm with you. Where are you at, Greg, on your P scale for the Patriots defense, which was supposed to be dominant, has been run on for two straight games, and the Eagles have been running. Let me give you the scale. Uh, one, pants <laughs> totally dry. No need to change the underpants. You know, pants are uh, dry as a desert. Ten, soaked, saturated. Got to find a brave, <laughs> private place and, and uh, throw them out in the garbage bag. Three, because I think they accept that. Have you ever had more than three? <laughs> I mean, they've won six. Well, he's always been right. They've made four Super Bowls in a row, three in a row. They've won six. I mean, I, it's okay to you know err on the side of confidence with them. Uh, I think they invite teams to run because I think a lot of teams say That's a convenient you can, excuse, but it's true. They have six defensive backs on the field quite a bit. They I think, invited the Ravens to run all over them and lose the game. I mean, they, they were no match, but I, to me, the offense was the bigger uh, concern in that game. I, I'm not overly worried about their, their run defense. As if you, you're going to be bad at one thing, that's it. As you might expect, during the Belichick dynasty, the Patriots are very good coming off a bye. They're 14-5. and five. Surprisingly, 
Um, I believe they're two and three coming off a buy and a loss. I was ready to say, oh, there's no way in hell they lose coming off a loss and a buy. But history has not told us that the other team is totally dead in the water. And I just, I just feel like this is the stretch where people doubt the Patriots. It's going to be a game, a very close fought game. And I like the Eagles at home to start gaining some momentum because I still believe in them as a team that's uh, a playoff uh, team come January. And I, I think the Eagles get this one, like 24 to 21, mm-hmm. something like that. I'm Most- confidently picking New England. Most That's new, also the smart mo- move. Most of new, <laughs> uh, most of new changes, I think, who they are a little bit. Gives them a, an extra option, which they desperately needed. I think they'll fix some of their offensive line. Who knows? Maybe we see their first-round picks, Isaiah Wynn and Nikhil Harry, you know, start to contribute. Those, in theory, are talented guys. This will be like the Rex Burkhead... Suddenly, 22 touches out of nowhere, 180 yards and three touchdowns game, and then he goes back into a cave for another month. To be clear, Wynn, by the way, cannot return until next week, he, he, but he should be their left tackle, starting left tackle next week. And on the subject, and let me get the number right, the Pats are 3-2 and two coming off a loss and a bye. Um, Gronk has until November 30th to make his decision whether he comes back or not. Still, to me, feels 50-50. I don't think he's coming back. I never thought, and there's been no reason. He's made comments. Get. He's made comments. He's made comments on both sides, whichever <laughs> one you want to look at. Well, that's what I'm saying. Well, I flip a coin. I mean, Dan, you have something invested in this. so I don't care about that, but I just always knew he's playing again. In fact, his only thing, that he's, his most recent comment is, I guess he's taking this, what is it, CBD, this oil yeah. that has cannabis in it, and he was saying he doesn't want to get um, banned from the NFL so he can't come back next year. And that's interesting, his choice of words there, because he's taking something to help his body. I mean, this guy clearly is going to be playing professional football again. And I, I will double down my sandwich bet that at some point in the future, he's back in the NFL and likely with the Patriots. Whether he comes back in December, I don't know, maybe 65-35 now. Well, come on right, back, Rob. You know, come yeah. on back. You know, we've got Ben Watson – you know, it takes a little while for we. those routes to develop. Uh, Wes. Yeah, you know, Matt Lacoste is coming back. People are excited about that. But please. Wes, your pick. Oh, well, there, there were only three games on the board this week. So I'm taking uh, Arizona at San Francisco. Oh, you're killing me, Wes. It's all chalk so far in this draft. Oh, you're killing me. Well, I'm all in on Kyler Murray. I said it Tuesday, oh. but I've never seen a player like him. Yeah. Wait, you laughed at me two weeks ago when I picked him for Offensive Rookie of the Year. He hadn't earned it by then. You chuckled. But it was a prediction. It was yeah. a nice prediction. Good anticipation, Dan. All right. All right. <laughs> Just point it out. I, um, I like watching Lamar Jackson, but I've seen a quarterback like him before when Vic came out of Virginia Tech and sort of blazed across the sky like Genghis Khan out of, out of the Asian steppes and took the league by storm. <laughs> He's obviously spectacular, it's but little, I've never seen... It's a little seen... cliched to say that. West, but yeah. yeah, I know. Sorry. But Sorry. <laughs> I've never seen anybody like Kyler Murray. That size, spinning balls the way he spins them, like I, you know, kind of like Spider Man flinging a web. It just comes out of his wrist so fast. He's so quick back there, and he's so cool under pressure. And it was emphasized so much playing on the same field as Jameis Winston, who looked like a drunken giraffe in comparison to Kyler Murray's smooth kind of jazz saxophone back there. <laughs> under, you know, just calm under pressure. And I love watching this guy play. He looks like the real deal. I am all in, and I think the Cardinals have to be the most elated three-win mm. team I've seen in a long time because they have their guy. You know what he looks like is a, is a generational athlete, which makes sense. When he got the biggest signing bonus, in or one of the biggest in Major League history, I believe, uh, you know, from the A's, it, and he's a guy who's breaking boundaries in terms of his height, 
in the arm strength that he has, he's just insanely talented and confident as he should. The way he moves, it just looks, I'm with you, it looks different than other athletes. And the way the ball comes out of his hand is as pretty and as good, for lack of a better word, as any quarterback in the league. This is one of those scheduling scheduling wrinkles where they just had the Cardinals and 49ers square off, you know, less than 14 days ago. I hate that. I I don't like that either, but I think it's it's an interesting challenge for San Francisco because... The Cardinals were one of the first teams, I thought, to put it to San Francisco's defense. And David Johnson, who did not look very good last week at all, uh, had a big game. Kenyon Drake had a big game against San Francisco. So how do you go and attack the same defense, one of the best in the league, two weeks later? You can't count on an 88-yard Andy Isabella touchdown every time you play against the 49ers. No. Is it starting to feel like David Johnson might not be on this team next year? Well, I think they take a huge punishment if they cut him, like $17 million or something. Or a trade? He's clearly just not close to healthy. And right. So it wouldn't shock me if they sat him down for this game. Uh, Chase Edmonds isn't ready to come back, but Drake is, is going to be the starter for now. But George Kittle is going to miss this game. At least it, it strongly Matt, appears. Matt Breed is going to miss the game. And Joe Staley came back for a week and, and broke his finger and had surgery. So he's back out. If anything, I, I don't know. I think it's a dangerous matchup for San Francisco. I don't, I don't know about the playing them twice in three weeks, if that favors anyone or not, but I, I'd be a little worried. Uh, let's touch on it real quick just because um, this is the team he previously played for. It, but the NFL has arranged a workout for Colin Kaepernick. It's a private workout this Saturday in Atlanta that all 32 teams are welcome to attend. Uh, this is a memo that was obtained by Ian Rappaport. Uh, Kaepernick, Kaepernick confirmed the workout in a tweet posted later Tuesday evening. Um, the general vibe right now around this workout is people are a little bit caught off guard by it around the league and both the timing of it on a Saturday, which is a travel day in the NFL, and the short amount of uh, heads up teams were given, which was this was something that was announced Tuesday for an event on Saturday, uh, which uh, I believe I heard it saw it reported that Kaepernick is Kaepernick's camp pushed back hoping to get it the following Saturday so more people could teams could uh, game plan it uh, but they were denied without an uh, explanation so this is going down Uh, I know NFL Network's going to be there covering it as will many other media groups potentially although Uh, they're all going to be kind of locked out of the facility even even NFL Network they'll just be out on the street is that how it's going to go down they're not allowing any media in there Uh, must watch TV and it's a workout and uh, a interview process, apparently. So, you know, Steve Weiss reported that Kaepernick's the workout will be run by a scouting combine personnel and former NFL coaches, and then any teams on hand could also hold interviews with him. I think you know the skepticism that came when this first popped up, you know, has been obviously earned, and it's just so strange and unprecedented a situation as the weeks unfolded I I've just kind of wanted to like track all the stories and I think look everything about Colin Kaepernick situation with the NFL is unprecedented uh and it's it's fascinating to me that that this is happening that the NFL who has kind of said in the past we're not in the business of helping players get jobs back in the league are are now in the business of of trying to help Colin Kaepernick get back so to me it's interesting it's hard to know all the different motivations and everything behind the scenes, but I never expected this to be a big part of our lives again. And it does make you think that there's 
a chance Kaepernick's going to be back in the league at some point, at least a chance, which at this point I had kind of assumed was, was over. I would have loved to seen it take place on a Tuesday, which is the natural in the middle biorhythm of NFL weeks, the day that more teams could, you know, have and why not sent to it. I don't know. Like that's the thing. I, it's weird. And you just want, you want the NFL to, if they're going to do this, to do it the right way. That does not lead to a lot of controversy going into the event. It leads to people like Eric Reed, of course, the Panther safety, who was the first person to kneel on the sideline with Kaepernick with the Niners to sniff it out and say to the media, this feels like a PR stunt. I feel like this is a, a situation that pr- probably the best move would be again, Get on the same page with everybody. Make sure whatever is decided is something that, you know, whether it's Kaepernick's camp, the NFL camp, are both in lockstep on. Because once you're not in lockstep, like with the timing of this, it leads to the story going in a different direction. So, Well, there's different, you know, camps. There's ownership and then there's the league office. Those aren't necessarily the same camps. Ultimately, either he gets signed or he doesn't. And so if he gets signed, it, it wasn't a PR stunt. And if, right. if he doesn't get signed, then people are going to have be their, both, their opinions. Could be both. This is an avenue for teams who were tepid, uh, who were shy about bringing him in and facing any kind of backlash that would come in. This is an avenue for them to check him That's out. That's what Weiss reported, that right. there was a few teams that had That's progress. checked in. That's progress. I'm happy about that. Now, I've now heard ahead, the, the argument made in the worst faith that I've heard of any argument all year. Why don't they do this for any other free agents, street free agents? <laughs> Give me a break. You know the difference between Colin Kaepernick and every other street free agent out there. It's a bad faith argument, and nobody should pay attention to it. They did have a veteran, tr- tr- essentially a camp, that was in the offseason and netted very little results. Coaches for the Miami Dolphins, Detroit Lions, Atlanta Falcons, and Tampa Bay Buccaneers have said they expect to have a representative at the Falcons practice facility where this is going down uh, that per ESPN. Um, So we shall see. John Elway also said the Broncos will be there. The Redskins will be there. The Cowboys, the Cardinals. So they will have teams there, and Kaepernick um, will get the opportunity to perform in front of them. All right, let us move on, Wes. Nice choice. You really put me in a pickle. I had the whole thing figured out. My bad. That's what I hate about fantasy drafts, when the person right before you <laughs> jacks it all up. You had to know that was a possibility. I know. I thought it was a pretty strong possibility, but I was holding out hope, so the disappointment mm. I is real. I actually thought you were picking there, and I was a little crestfallen. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> there we go. See, now you're happy about the order. I am. Thank you. All right, good. What, what's going on with Matthew Stafford? He's currently not. He has a practice. Not look good. I'm the guy scrambling with the clock ticking down, and I have to make a pick, and I'm going to end up panicking. You're not going to want to watch. Just, yeah, Driscoll. just take, no, that, just take Driscoll, Driscoll, buddy. Go for it. <laughs> All right, you can do because this. you know what? I don't. I really don't want to watch the. I feel like I watch the Colts a lot, uh, but I will. Uh, Jake Brisket should be back, and Nick Foles is back in the lineup. So how about? Ooh, slice me off a piece of that Jake Brisket. How about an important AFC South matchup between the Jags? And just reeling after I took his pick. And the Colts. No, that was just for this one. No, I, mean, I was what, hoping this would get, slip to me. What else it's jumps Fals, out at Fals you, Wes? is back. Falls is back. I, I, you know, Thom and Spielman are on a roll. I want that Saints-Bucks game. That's what, that's what I'd be jumping out. <laughs> Hold your breath and you might get it. Um, anyway, Jags, Nick Foles is back. And I really do want to see how that offense looks with Foles behind center. We barely got a glimpse of him uh, before he had the clavicle injury. Uh, so, so now he's in the lineup. And we talked about it on uh, Tuesday with uh, so the, you know hot butt check-in. Uh, Doug Marone, you would imagine he needs a strong finish here. So it, it makes this a very important game. And on the Colts side, 
you know, they're clinically addicted to playing these close games. Uh, and nine, nine out of nine. Nine out of nine, seven points or less. And ab- among that group, I believe half of them is field goal or less or close to it. Uh, so you know how this game is going to end up most likely. It's going to again come down to the wire. And obviously with Brian Hoyer, um, the Colts are going to lose a lot of those games. In fact, he's lost 10 straight starts now. So there are just inherent limitations with Brian Hoyer that we're all aware of. Jacoby Brissett is kind of uh, on the other end of that spectrum where he's a guy you can kind of trust in a close game. And I do want to point out that, again, the Colts have decided to stick with Adam Vinatieri. And, I mean, I guess there's two ways to look at it. One is loyalty is great and respect for a a legendary kicker is great. And the idea of, well, if you're not going to have Vinatieri, you got to go get a guy on the pile. And those guys, look at Chase McLaughlin with the the Niners as an example. How do you know you're going to get something better? Uh, But that to me is, it's almost like a Cowboys-esque move. There's a lack of boldness there. And and it seems like they're playing it safe and overly overly respectful. And how many more games is going to cost them? Because it cost them on Sunday. Because if you watch that game, he misses another extra point. They're in the red zone with seconds to play. And instead of being able to kick a game-tying field goal or attempting one, they have to go for a touchdown because they're down four instead of three. This is the kind of stuff that's happening, and that could kill a team. They are right on the nose. We talked about it. The difference between an 8-8 eight and eight team and a 10-6 and six team is nothing in the NFL. It is a field goal kick here and one stop there. And you feel like if they don't, if they're not sharper in these elements of the game, uh, the Colts will finish on the 8-8 eight eight side of this. They're such a young team with the last two draft classes being so good and so deep that a lot of these guys play. And, and I wondered, do they even know how good Adam Vinatieri's career is? But I think it actually helps the locker room. It helps Frank Reich standing to keep backing him because rookies and second-year players, they're low on the pecking order. Who are they to complain about what's going on? They love the person. I mean, they they the organization has a thing for Vinatieri, and that's they, great. It's, it's, and that's why this is happening. But to your point, if you're going to be one of these teams, you're sitting at five and four, and every game is going to come down to kicks, basically. And he's missing PATs, and he's missing. You know, you, it's it's not a great look to watch the field goal zigzag thirty yards to the left when it should just be going right down the middle. I love the fact that they get Brissett back because Hoyer changed the comp- this offense in the sense where they became a turnover machine. And Brissett, for all his ups and downs, had has three interceptions on the entire year. He's protected the ball well. They're going to have to do this to have a chance in the AFC. I, I love Brissett, and I love Frank Reich, but as the season's gone on, I've come more around to Wes's view that this is not a a fun team to watch. You know, the, even the offensive line, which is you know supposed to be their bedrock, ultimately didn't play very well against Pittsburgh and definitely didn't play that well against Miami. I mean, that's a matchup you you thought Hoyer wouldn't be seeing pressure. He did. You thought they'd kind of mow them over. Not really. And I think T.Y. Hilton is the Jenga piece here. I was going to say the exact same thing. You know, that's Dave Damashek's theory. Me too, me too. I was going to say it too. Okay, we all got to say it. No, not Mark. No. no. Well, I mean, it's. I was just getting excited. Three guys in the lab. It, it, thinking Jenga. It, 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 that's even, not what's happening here at all. Even if it's not the the guy that like makes them, you know, fall apart as a team, it's the guy that you pull the Jenga piece out and they're no longer watchable. Mm. Like they need Ty Hilton to be watchable because even you know the Colts are the defense is a little bit more the sum of their parts are better than the actual pieces. It's just kind of there was they're too, just there. The, the Jags have a higher ceiling. There was too much Eric Ebron last week. 
you know, most of it bad. And I can't blame him for the touchdown that he caught and was rolled an interception. I don't even know how that happens that, you know, an interception is a pass caught in the air by a defensive player, not one tussled on the ground like pigs wallow in the mud. Oh, I don't understand that one. Uh, no T.Y. Hilton this week, it looks like. No Devin Funches. He's another week away. Still no Paris Campbell. I mean, Naheem Hines is playing as well as he has all year, but that's not enough. Yeah, they have Pascal. I I do want to just say, I'm, I think the Foles-Jags have a high ceiling, and they have two receivers in Conley and Chark who can go down the field and get it. And, you know, Fournette's faced more eight-man uh, eight boxes than just about any running back in the entire league. Maybe that eases up with Foles in there. I think this is p- potentially a six-seed type of team. you got to win a game like this. I, well, I think their ceiling is high. I think their best could be pretty good. I'm with you. And we saw Foles very briefly before he was injured in the opener connect with Shark, with Chark Deep the way that Minshew did it later in that game and has since. I, the, the one area that you want to see improvement – that Gardner Minshew could not fix at quarterback was the red zone offense. They're, they've been a field goal attack because they cannot punch it in, and they, I think they're the third worst team in the red zone. And that's where you think Nick Foles can help you. We've seen Amari Cooper and Michael Thomas have made some great boundary catches. DJ Chark is already one of the best boundary receivers in the NFL. He's he's a number one, I think, with no matter who's under center. A nice little player. All right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you really got me, Wes. Because you boxed me in here. It's snake time. Uh, because I'm snaking. And, I, well, you know, Greg always picks the Patriots. I'm always going to watch the Jets. I don't care how bad they are. That's, a, that's an early game. So that's going to take up my two screens. I only have two screens. Because I got my early game now with the Jags and Colts. The Jets and Skins are going to be on my second screen. Can't pick another early game. I wanted that game. Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem. I want to take a late game. There's only one left. So I'm going to grab it. The Bengals at the Raiders. No one's going to take Jets Redskins. Really we can all be so sure. We can all agree. Don't oh, be I, so that sure. That is the team of Sestiel. I forgot. No, that's fine. Redskins. This is my only, this is my last pick of the draft. So I'm essentially punting on um, leading the Jets convo on Sunday. Uh, I'll take Bengals at Raiders. And um, not much to see from the Cincinnati side of the ball, obviously. Uh, but you know what? I just like watching the Raiders this season, and I like watching them at the black hole. And that's enough. And and what's been this is like the 2013 draft, the Luke Jokel, Eric Fisher draft, where it's, it's not a lot of big time pop. <laughs> so you find what you like, and maybe it's just something that enriches you a little bit. It's nothing going to be franchise shaking. So just give me this this fun John Gruden team, and I'll I'll sit back in the late afternoon or here in California early afternoon. And just enjoy it. And I'll watch the Raiders and see if they can take care of business and further entrench themselves as an AFC wildcard team. This Bengals team, for the first time in the history of our podcast, this year's version reminds me of the 1990s Bengals. The hopelessness, the apathy that's taking hold in Cincinnati, the smattering of fans last week. In a stadium with a cartoon tiger that's supposed to scare the other team, it just looks ridiculous when it's on half field <laughs> and the team's getting blown out and you're playing the wrong quarterback, a guy who's not nearly as good as the guy you benched, um, and, and a defense that can't tackle anyone. Uh, young players that don't develop anymore. I, the, these are the signposts that I remember from the 90s, and it's just a disconnect with the fans right now. They just don't care. Marvin Lewis is sitting back and just saying – Told you so. And in the Bengals' defense, so much of this is injury. <laughs> Never too. happened with him. Although he, he had a couple 
pretty grisly four win yes, he did. seasons uh, that he survived and then would bounce back from. I don't think we can say too much about Finley. It wasn't exciting last week. Did a couple things. Not an easy matchup. If this is a this is an easy matchup. This is a bad Raiders defense, and you should be able to put up points on them, even if you're Ryan Finley. I think we the one thing we could have hit on more coming out of that Raiders Chargers Thursday night affair and our our recap that night was Clellan Farrell in the pass rush making a difference. And that hasn't happened that often for Oakland. But they gave Phillip Rivers a tough time. And if you do that to this Bengals offense, because outside of Joe Mixon, and we don't know if A.J. Green's going to... What's going he's on with not, A.J. Looks Green? Looks like he's not returning. He's not I mean, this, returning that John situation... Like waiting, like waiting until Andy Dalton's back or something. That situation is absurd. And I don't see how... You know, you the Bengals got eaten up by the Ravens' tight ends last week. Here comes Darren Waller. Show me you can stop anyone. And I worry for Zach Taylor because... Veteran players can decide pretty quickly on a coach and talk about an, a locker room that looks like they've completely... Mm. I'm not saying that they've bailed on their coach. We just don't know that. But what is happening week to week where there's belief growing in your first-year coach? I don't right. see that. I see the well, opposite. He, I mean, honestly, he didn't deserve the job in the first place. And that's... I mean, when a guy comes in that young who'd never even called plays before, how is your team going to respect him when you start out 0-9? and mm the, the Raiders are in a weird spot, though. Uh, totally expected to win. Didn't think that we'd be in that spot with That's the Raiders. The next too. two weeks, Raiders and Jets. Uh, uh, rather, Bengals and Jets. The Raiders should get to 7-4. and four. Jets on the road is a tougher one, but... You know, that's a new spot for a team that's that's won a lot of close games, has a pretty bad defense. We'll see. Coming off an emotional win, getting half a bye, you know, do they come back feeling themselves against a winless team? Eh, maybe this game ends up a little closer than you'd expect, but I like the Raiders. Uh, before we uh, move on to the next pick, which will be a Chris Wessling banger, uh, a reminder, the Instagram around the NFL handle is blowing up the ATN podcast. We are up to almost 8,500 followers. And yes, uh, we did say we would quit um, if uh, we didn't have 10,000 by Sunday. What I didn't make clear was which Sunday I was referring to. Well, done. I was re- referring to the upcoming Sunday. So what we need is just to get to 10K over the next uh, three days or so, and we will keep the podcast going. And I know we've become a part of everyone's routine, and, and you love our show and what we provide, and we love connecting with you. Don't let that go away. Don't kill it. Don't kill a thing you love. Because it doesn't always come back. I mean, we also, the, the announcement that we were going to quit. I have two children. I know other people in the room have children. They are expensive. And, you know, I'm not just going to rashly dissolve my employment right. based on what a bunch of other people do on Instagram. Just throwing that out there. If, if, if the show ends, I will find something else to do in the building. Oh, no, we're not saying we're quitting the NFL. Okay, just be making it clear. I, you know, that's not I thought you were saying do you'd we, be like a Around have... the NFL podcast scab. You'd just be by yourself. You'd be like, it's Mark Sessler of the Around the NFL podcast. I think podcast. that would be delightful. Very smooth, like change the whole flow of the show, put some jazz behind you. Like Actually, it sounds pretty good. I mean, at this point, do we have enough value outside of this podcast to really keep it going? It's almost the inverse of how we started, where we were sneaking around. Our bosses really had no value you know, in terms of this podcast. Podcast and they didn't want us doing it to the point where I don't know if there's no podcast they might just said what do you what do you guys really do again? Oh, I mean, the only it. team close by is the Rams. I've spent 20 minutes taking them down in the show, so not a good setup. The ATN podcast on Instagram. Give us a follow. We're putting a lot of stuff up there. Erica's doing a great job with it. Help us out, Wes. You're up next. I want that Saints Bucks games. Like I said, 
Thumb and Spielman are on a roll. Every game they get is is a banger. So let's take the Saints, who um, have numbers one and two, Drew Brees and Teddy Bridgewater, uh, in fewest air yards per attempt this season, 6.2 yards and 6.3 yards. They don't stretch the field in any stretch of the imagination against a Bucks front seven that is improving throughout the season. You get Jason Pierre-Paul back and he's playing like a man on fire the last two weeks. Devin White, the first round pick who really didn't do anything in the first half of the season, starting to play with speed and confidence, ran right through some Cardinals ball carriers last week, taking them down. He's still missing some tackles. But you're seeing sort of a seek and destroy mentality from him mm. as a linebacker that I like to watch. I would be all in on this Bucks team as perhaps my favorite team to watch. Wow, what? this is if, a if, what is happening here? If, I love it. If they had the other quarterback from last week's game, Kyler Murray, then well, that's they would a big be. Oh well, come on. I mean, Jameis is a hard watch. Just all arms and legs and never under control, and I can't. Can you take if, in a little bit, just a little bit, Wes? Well, here's we're running, we're running behind, but I do need to hear this. What made you cry? While watching that game, I, I didn't cry. It was just a joke. I was just like <laughs> that game cried? got me excited. It, I thought you did. Just I was. We you were got talking choked about up. crying, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this game." I was just joking about. Well, it. here's oh, the thing. It. Yeah, okay, Jameis. You know, he makes makes a lot of mistakes. Uh, he is making do. more big plays, and that's that has to be part of it. He is letting some of his receivers, like Evans and Godwin and OJ Howard, and even the running backs, shine by giving them a chance. And since their bye week, I think the Bruce Arians offense looks a lot more like a Bruce Arians offense. Even if Winston isn't the ideal person to be running it, they're better. They're more explosive. Right. Here's here's Jameis Winston in a nutshell. Over the last four weeks, he has the longest active streak of 300-yard games in the NFL. He also has the most giveaways in the NFL over that stretch with 13. I mean, he just keeps giving the ball away. Yeah. Um. I cannot believe, as I was watching that Saints game, it was hard to believe what you were watching against the Falcons. And I think the thing that really jumped out was how dominating Atlanta's defense was, how they were just flying all over the place. And to Dan Quinn's credit, I'll say this, for a team that looked like it had quit on its coach uh, based on the results, they were pumped up and ready to play that game. It was the proverbial, this is our Super Bowl game, I think, from the Falcons, who whose season was over, but at least they can, you know, go into the Superdome and, you know, F up their rival. Um, that said, this Saints team, nothing has changed about them uh, to me overall. That was a stinker 26-9 loss, but I think they're going to bounce back in a big way. I think the Bucks, the worst thing that could have happened to the Bucks, in fact, is mm. for the Saints to get um, embarrassed, quite frankly. You get the in, angry Saints in their building. They get an angry Saints. Uh, you got Sean Payton, who's a guy who knows how to motivate. He's from Parcells' tree. Parcells was the master at that. You weren't so good, were you? You know, you, you know, everyone's telling you you're the best team in the league. Well, you didn't look like it. You know, that type of motivation. I totally could see Payton getting in on him. Question, at, yes. Do the angry Saints still blow teams out? Because I haven't seen a team that blows anyone out anymore. Well, they won 31-9 before they went to the bye. Right. They, they but really that's dominated. The, exception to the, the final score was misleading, but they put a whooping on the, the Bucks. The they f- have three games time. this year with no touchdown. So and they're not a blowout. They're not a blow you out team. So maybe they're finding their way. And remember, their quarterback, who you could talk about, maybe he's in decline. You could also say he missed a long stretch of games, and it's going to take him maybe to, to get up to speed a little bit with the rest of the team. Long way of saying that I will be locking up the Saints here um, on the road uh, because, hell, they're the Saints. And just one loss is not going to shake me to the core, even if the Bucks are improving. 
I am going to join you with that lock. I there we it. go. And I, the, the, the trolley car lock situation has worked well for me mostly. <laughs> um, I I think the Bucks in Wes. I'm still reeling from you uh, suddenly fanning out on the Bucks, a team that because of the sunlight in their stadium, you and I have ignored for a long, long time. Oh, I still hate the and the uniforms, right? The uniforms, they the are sunlight, outdoor. they are fun to watch week after week. And I have been tough on Bruce Arians and questioning if Bruce Arians really wanted to do all this <laughs> and come back. But you know what? There's You can see the Bruce Arians effect starting to take hold. I love that Ronald Jones <laughs> is starting to clearly become the guy in the backfield. And he was a, he made a big difference as a receiver An last angel week. angel loses its wings every time Peyton Barber gets a carry that Ronald Jones should get. <laughs> I'm with you. Well, I'm worried. He, he fumbled Ronald Jones and then he didn't mm. see the field after that in the in the fourth fourth quarter. This is a division game. The Saints really dominated them uh, with Teddy Bridgewater, what was it, about five weeks ago now. I I do, I'm really fascinated. I wanted to take this game to see see what happens here. Because I think the Bucks have been playing better after the bye. And uh, I don't know, I want to see if that's a one-game blip for the Saints, or if it's, you know, we're going into the division part of the schedule. These teams know each other while Arians is a little different, obviously, because he's uh, a new coach. But they pretty much have their entire division schedule left to play. I think four more to go. Uh, And I don't know. I I just want to make sure that's a one-week blip out of the Saints and not something that we're going to be tracking. Fair concern. All right, moving on. Greg, you're on the clock. Well, you took... uh, you took Saints Bucks for me. Oh. West West total anarchy uh, today in the draft. I'm really enjoying. <laughs> hey, You've done really well. There's clearly well. some uh, there's new people running West's front office this, this time around. <laughs> this is like an old fantasy draft where you're feeling really good after the draft because everybody wanted your guys. You got the eye of the tiger back. Oh yeah. Feel it. Oh yeah. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Panthers and Falcons NFC South. Uh, Long my favorite division, not its uh, best year, but I I was intrigued by the, by the Falcons showing up and kind of being the team we thought maybe they would be all season last week, at least on defense. And I think this Panthers offensive line has uh, been pretty poor. And last week was another week it's been poor. And Kyle Allen asking him to win versus pressure, I think is a lot to ask. And I do think this could be an upset special just because I don't buy the fact that a team with a a former MVP who in my mind, Matt Ryan, is still in his prime going against Kyle Allen in his eighth start I don't see that as some crazy upset, and I'm just—I think this could be a different Falcons team down the stretch. Maybe not great, but win three or four more games and and cause some havoc. Matt I mean, Ryan moves the chains. He, they're in the top five again in drive success rate. They're super banged up at running back. Devonta Freeman out, Edo Smith out. That's so you got Brian Hill. I don't think it hurts him. Brian no, Hill looks fine. Look, that, he looked better than Devonta Freeman. Freeman has not been great all year to begin with. But I—if we're going to look at the Saints. What happened last week against the Falcons and say, I want to see what happens, you know, if that if any of that sticks. I feel the same way about Atlanta's pass rush and everything Atlanta. Like, I don't, the, the Panthers also went into Green Bay and I thought they played it. They, that was a tough environment. They've got, it's easy to forget that Kyle Allen is still very inexperienced and they battled the Packers, an NFC title type team, right down to the end. And I, I trust, this was where I was going to go locking potentially because I trust Carolina to put it on the Falcons on Sunday. Dan Quinn on the sideline during that Saints win, he was beaming by the end of the game because he understood not not only is it just a great win obviously against the rival and what's been a really tough season but now there's a path I think that to the 
I don't think he has a good chance or even a, a, a decent chance of saving his job. But the puncher's chance is that they can really string together a run coming off what was just kind of for them a monumental win in New Orleans. Um, so I do think it's a dangerous game. I, I think for the Panthers who aren't really built uh, to blow teams out uh, and the Falcons have that ability to move the ball on offense and their defense certainly looked much better, much better. How about your boy Youngry? I mean, Youngry is getting all the credit. Uh, is he? Steve Weiss reported that, you know, we talked about Jeff Albrecht was calling their defense. He's calling their rundowns. And Remind Raheem, people who Youngry is because I Raheem forgot Morris, his name too. Yes, for Raheem former Morris. Bucks coach, now calling their plays on passing downs. They switched them from offense to defense. To and me. everybody in their secondary said he's a great communicator. Like the difference in the game last week was Raheem Morris taking over the secondary. So we'll see. You know, that could be just one of these storylines somebody's pushing out, but it. it uh, it made a difference on the Other field. Other than McCaffrey, I just don't see what's so special about this well, Panthers team. I know statistically they're very good against the pass, but they can't stop the run. No. The pass rush is not. They have a lot of sacks on the season, but at least lately it doesn't seem as good. Brian Burns got hurt and then has been totally absent. They don't even play him at this point. You, it's very strange to watch Luke Keekley kind of being pushed back in the running game. It's not his fault because his defensive linemen can't get the blockers off him, and this whole team's always playing kind of backing up. Mark, you're up. Well, this seems to happen to me more than more than a few times, but I'm stuck in this scenario where I'm going to have three one o'clock games, mm. which is an absolute Ooh. nightmare. So it didn't have to be that way. It didn't have to be that way, but I like the fact that I'm going to get to watch Houston at Baltimore. So I need to pick a game that I can oh, put maybe half attention on, and that feels to me like the Bills and the Dolphins. Mm. And I like this Dolphins team, and I'm not trying to be you know snarky at all. I think they're they've. Brian Flores is someone that is, you know is in a very tough situation this year. Has done a good job coaching. This team does not kill kill themselves with penalties. I think they're a better coach team than, for instance, my Browns at this point. I really do. He's gotten a lot out of a little. And Buffalo, not a trap game necessarily, but it might be because the Bills really. I thought last week against Cleveland, they probably should have won that game. They don't impress me on offense, and they feel like a team that's gonna when they make when they win eleven games and they go into the playoffs, they're gonna get bonked early because they cannot keep up with a team that scores. I like I think they have a nasty secondary, and there's no reason they shouldn't be able to take out Miami. But this game could be a little fourteen to ten type situation. I wouldn't Earth, be surprised if it is. Earth the Bills fans who see this as a trap game or a game they can look ahead. You can't look ahead of anybody. You're not good enough to look ahead of anybody, Buffalo, and it's not it's not like a shot across the bow. It's just the reality when you well, look at this team. I think most Bills and you watch fans, them every week. Most Bills it. fans are mostly realistic about this. I would go watch what the Dolphins' defense did against the Colts in the first half last week. They or, completely or took out Indianapolis, and that's coaching game. because yes, it is. The talent is just not there, but they're scheming also, it up. I, I also think. You just just watch the last Bills Dolphins game. That's kind of when these teams' seasons started to flip. Bills were winning in the fourth quarter. I mean, the the Dolphins were winning in the fourth quarter in Buffalo. This secondary with guys like Nick Needham, an undrafted free agent, playing great at cornerback. Don't need them. They're doing great against some of the worst receiving cores in the league, like the Jets, the injury depleted Colts. And now the Bills come in, and John Brown's playing great. Cole Beasley's been all right. They really need Robert Foster, who I think for the first time all year played last week. He had his first catch of the year. And you heard guys on the other team saying, we knew Robert Foster was out there. We knew where he was. We 
we brought coverage his way, and he didn't have a huge impact in the game, but they need him to be that guy. They traded away their number two receiver, Zay well, Jones, they could without have, anybody to take They could have play. all the receivers they want. They, don't have, they need a quarterback. I mean, they, there's a difference between arm strength and being good throwing the ball vertically. Josh Allen, I think, is the worst vertical passer in the entire NFL. He's, he was 0 for 13 on passes over 30 yards going into two weeks ago, and he missed another four. And when he misses, I mean, he misses by like 20 yards. I can't even – he gets the comparisons to Cam, and I get it. No, he's closer to Kaepernick. He doesn't put any loft or touch on it. I team. get it because he is a red zone weapon, and he's the biggest reason why they're you know one of the top teams in the red zone. But he's not a streaky quarterback because there's no hot streaks. There's no hot streaks in terms of difficult throws. It just doesn't happen. Do we buy the Frank Gore going into Miami as a revenge game? Every week it feels (laughs) like every team has a revenge game. They need an upgrade. He's not giving them anything the last few weeks. I don't know if uh, – yeah, they're they're not using him that as much now. They use him in short yardage in the goal line. Yeah, they need to – Get as much Devin Singletary as possible because, along with you know John Brown, he's they're the two best players on that offense. Bills laying five and a half points of wood in the desert. <laughs> Seems like a lot of wood, Greg. I, I've been. I right, get the axe out and chop that down. I've you know I you know if you read my game picks, I I pay attention to what's going on in terms of what you know is expected, and I try to you know I'm making a choice here. Who you know, and I've been riding the Dolphins three straight weeks. They've, it's working. They've been fine. I get it. They're playing hard. They're playing well. Taking do it again. This one. I would. I yeah. The Dolphins I, are too banged up. All right. Let us move on. We snake back to Sessler. <laughs> That is a long snake hiss sound effect. Um, <laughs> you're, you're like Tessitore. I am. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I am taking Jets at uh, Washington. I think I've covered the Redskins four or five times this year, and I'm going to keep doing it. I am interested in the Jets. I haven't tracked them obviously because of you, Dan, on any Sunday live. I want to. I feel like it, this is their. It's a gift to you, an early Christmas present. Thank you, and what, what a gift yeah, it right. is. Uh, why? If the Jets should handle this game, I want to show up. You know, it's like, I, well, here's the thing: you, you've got Dwayne Haskins. Greg Williams should love the fact that Dwayne Haskins, in a very, uh, you know, paint by numbers offense with no creative folds to it, is your opponent this time around. And it's kind of like that. What was it? The Tracy Chapman song. If not now, then when? How about that, Jets? If why not Sam Darnold going in and having one of his better games this week? And I, the the Levy on Bell who tells everyone, you know, I'm the hero of running backs because I held out and showed running backs how to get contracts. Well, you might also be showing certain running backs. If you want to go sign that big money deal, you better be careful where it is because this is shaping up and you may disagree with me as a loss campaign for Le'Veon Bell and you want to hope that it it's, looks very different next year. I, this Jets team to me, like Sam Darnold, and it's, it's the same thing you could say about Baker Mayfield or Josh Allen, some of these second year quarterbacks, go have a game that's a signature game against a bad Redskins team on the road. Kenny Albert misidentified Bilal Powell as Le'Veon Bell at one point last mm-hmm. week, and it made me sad because I understood. Like, mm-hmm. there wasn't much difference between the two. He was not moving well. He is, he's banged up. He's very banged up. He looked good uh, about three or four weeks ago. He's averaging 3.1 yards per carry. Their line is, is, the, is yeah, their line's maybe the worst I, league. Them I agree yeah, with he's you. he's not really explosive. Redskins have an okay pass rush here time and again also. Let me, let me just say this about Le'Veon Bell. He certainly is not moving well right now. Um, I thought he was moving with Juice when he got any chance early in the season, but the offensive line has been so bad that 
I think he's t- gotten beaten up to the point where he doesn't have that extra gear. Uh, so it's been hard to ever see whether or not he's still Le'Veon Bell because he's just playing behind. I mean, and it's I agree with you on that, Mark, this idea that are you going to take the biggest money or are you going to take a very close look at the roster and especially the offensive line? But it's easy to say now in mid-November, but when the Jets um, were putting together the team, it appeared that maybe the offensive line would be better, that Sam Darnold would be a guy that would take a huge leap, that Adam Gase could be a guy that would be very friendly to a Le'Veon Bell uh, type uh, player, and none of that has panned out this season. So it, I don't know. I think I imagine he'll be back next year, He's, uh, but I don't think he's made the difference on the offense that you expect. It feels like he's had about 5,000 uh three-yard runs this year. What That's did you, what it's felt. What did you think, Dan, of the Adam Gase getting the typically dreaded, but in this case seemed very real, vote of confidence from Jets' ownership? I believe that... Let's, let's push pause on that because I think that Christopher Johnson, the acting owner, he has a lot invested in Gase because it was his hire and it's such a bad look if you go one and done with your hire, especially when you're only the quote-unquote owner for X amount of time until uh, Woody comes back in the into the fold uh, from the UK. I thought it was an unnecessary thing to say just because what are you going to do if this thing gets even worse from now That's until I, New Year's? It, it's it's not ne- I don't know if it's unnecessary, but I certainly don't write it in pen. I, I wish I could remember the example, but I, there was one very recently where a very similar thing happened where a coach who got the vote of confidence, he's going to be back next year, got fired seven weeks later, and no one even cared or barely noticed because it had just spiraled so far out of control that, like, you know, the world is going to change in exactly. seven weeks. No one's going to go crazy. I get it, though. If they win a couple games and nothing crazy happens, he'll be back. I, I would trust that. I, I do wonder, though, this could be a tough spot for them. I mean, the Redskins have a pretty good defensive line. Matt Ioannidis has been playing great. Uh, Deron Payne, um, who am I forgetting? Jonathan, Jonathan Allen. Allen. That group against the Jets' offensive line, they could cause enough problems. And and the Redskins have kept games close. That's partly why they, they've you know gone so quickly. They, they, they lose by like 10 every week. And I'll say this for Dwayne Haskins. He, throw, he had about three throws in that game where he showed great timing anticipation, where he threw the guy open, where he threw it well before the guy made their breaks. He, you talk about, Wes, you know, there's those quarterbacks that need to see it to throw it, like Ryan Tannehill and Cutler. He's not one of those guys. So that, that's one of the reasons why he was drafted in the first round. Maybe after the bye week, they'll, they'll coach him up and be a little more aggressive. I mean, they barely let him do anything. But he had a couple throws that you, you saw and you were like, okay. And Dwayne Haskins. Should note Darius Geis back for this game, too. And we should also note, because I don't think we mentioned that uh, it was announced that Haskins will start for the rest of the season uh, in Washington. So you could end that merry-go-round. Well, let's see how that goes. Talk about things <laughs> that could change. I mean, I mean, wh- I think that makes sense. Yeah, that me, makes that you all just, the sense. You just keep him in there at this point. Because you could be in play to draft a different quarterback if you really wanted to, depending <laughs> on who's there. Well, yeah. That's how the that's how Kyler Murray is someone we're talking about with, with flowery terms at sure. this point. Greg, you're up. I will take the. Ooh, there's only two two choices here. Let's go Cowboys Lions. Uh, the Jeff Driscoll uh, Bowl. The Jeff Driscoll, Bullets. you know, because uh, <laughs> one Jeff Driscoll this close to a perfect game, Wes. Twenty six up, twenty six uh, down. Another good game out there for yeah, you. Yeah, it's not it's not terrible. And, I mean, a, and a blooper over the shortstop's head. No, it, it doesn't bother. I mean, it was sort of fifty fifty. I just yeah, I didn't, I didn't have a, I didn't have a strong. I mean, I don't have to either. watch Driscoll now. You know what Driscoll? Is he definitely playing? Yeah. 
not definitely, but Stafford hasn't practiced in the, the tone of the way they're talking about Stafford makes you wonder he might not be back for a while. We Oof. could be seeing Driscoll on Thanksgiving. So uh, get ready. Uh, 9.30 a.m. on the West Coast. You know flex what? out the line. Here's the thing with the, Seriously. Here's the thing with Driscoll, though. He's not, he's not an effective quarterback. He's not terrible to watch because he's so yeah, yeah. athletic. Oh, yeah. Uh, hey, they, they put up 150 more yards than the Bears did last week. I think week. he's got the worst accuracy of any quarterback he's, on any not roster. Much of on a, Mason any Rudolph roster. pumps his fist. Yes. Not much of a thrower, but uh, maybe they'll keep – letting him run around a little more. And, man, he could be one of the best running quarterbacks in the league. I want to see the Cowboys put one on him, though. I mean, that's why I want to watch it is is watch this Cowboys offense uh, convincingly win. They've, they're healthy. There's no reason they should. I like that because, yeah, Mark, you were saying that Sam Darnold and the Jets put it on a bad red season. Well, the Jets are bad. So it's like I don't I don't see that. But the Cowboys, Cowboys should be good, Wes. You, you talk about – uh, DO, DVOA and the weighted DO, DVOA and all that. It's usually I bring up, I, I normally bring up DVOA. Not <laughs> Typically. But they're still, even now five and four, I think top five uh, or thereabouts in both those categories. The, so that the, the machines are telling us they are good. And then you look at the record, five and four. At, at some point, something's got to give here. Either the machine's wrong, Wes, or the team's wrong, and we're going to find out. And, and if they somehow, if, if the Cowboys somehow play the lines the way the Bears did last week, which was way closer than it should have been, that's going to be, I don't care what the DVOA says, that's going to be a major red flag. Go whip up on the lines here. Go whip them, Wes. Everybody's right. DVOA's right that play-to-play, they're one of the strongest teams in the league, but skeptics are right that they can't finish in close games, and that, that hurts their record. They have to show how to finish in close games. And Greg has gotten on Jason Garrett for his game management. They're losing some games because they're too conservative. And they're also losing games because their defense is a shadow of what it was last year. I give Garrett some credit for saying, you know, during the week, you know, we don't want to get trapped in trying to be, you know, tough. I, I'm butchering the way he said it. For toughness sake, essentially, we, we should, he was copying to the fact that they ran the ball a little too much, that they were trying to play bully ball when the, when the game in front of them really tells them it, that's not what you should be doing. Breaking news here on the Cleveland Browns beat. Uh-oh. What does that mean? Antonio Callaway has been waived. Is that a big surprise to me? That I, jumped out at me. You know, he was late to the game last week. He was benched, deactivated. They've had issues with him. He's a suspended player who has you know, known past problems. And I think he probably has tried their patience too much. Well, there's on-field character and there's off-field character. And he's checking both boxes because he made way too many mistakes on the field in addition to the off-field problems. As a hard knocks aficionado, um, he jumps out to me because all they could talk about was the talent on this guy. He was a fourth-round pick last year. Uh, his speed, his game-breaking ability. Uh, but, yes, all those red flags off the field, apparently, it got to the point. I mean, he had 586-5 and five as a rookie, but hadn't done anything. And year. these are the things I think Freddie Kitchens has to do to have to show not only to uh, gain control or really establish himself in that locker room, but to put it out there to the public. Hey, 
I got this under control to his own ownership group. Uh, I'm going to, if these guys are out of line, I'm going to make sure this is a locker room that does it the right way. Uh, I feel like that's been one of the challenges he's been facing this season. Kitchens came out very strongly about Callaway this week. And whenever he's in that circle of players where when something like this happens, you wonder what they know or what they know is coming down the pike for player X who has had issues before suspensions and all sorts of problems. You have the patented Sessler fear that he could pull like a Chris Carter type move. Do you think he has that talent? No, I'm not like, I can't really, I have enough to worry about in life to have that. (laughs) And you know what? I'll say as a side note to that, I really enjoyed watching. I think Josh Gordon looks awesome in a Seahawks uniform. Now that he's not on the Patriots. Yeah. I'm happy for Josh Gordon at this point. (laughs) I feel like enough water is under the bridge now. That that doesn't hurt as much. You cannot cling to this stuff. Cleveland should take care of their own business. How about that? Maturing Mark Sessler. Beautiful. (laughs) He's got too many other things to deal with. One Um, last note on Cowboys-Lions. If Stafford was playing, I would have looked in the mirror and locked up the Cowboys, but can't can't do it. Right. That's fair. That's great. That's great mirror work. You're on fire today, Wes. <laughs> Close it out, uh, Wes. Uh, that leaves me with the Broncos and Vikings. And the Vikings, I think, right now have an issue in their secondary, but I'm not sure if Brandon Allen is the guy to exploit that. Although, I, I do think Cortland Sutton can really toast Xavier Rhodes if that's the matchup because Xavier Rhodes is still moving a step or two slow this year. And Cortland Sutton has just really impressed me all year long as a legitimate number one. He and DJ Chark are those two young guys who I really think have stepped forward and claimed that status. Yeah, Allen wasn't afraid to throw the ball. They, they didn't need him to do it too much. If nothing else, the Broncos fans, I think, can see some breakout players in Sutton, Justin Simmons. I think if you're a fan of the Broncos, you want to see Philip Lindsay back up. Alexander offensive, Johnson. Alexander right? Johnson. Yeah. You want to see Lindsay back up of his offensive rookie of the year because that was so out of nowhere, but I think he's looked just as good this year. They, they want to balance the carries. That's fine. He, he's very valuable uh, as a rotation guy. Go, go, go keep this game interesting, Broncos. I don't know. I don't he finally know. got something from Noah Fant against the Browns. Right. Uh, which you're waiting all year for. I thought that Minnesota did a nice job of counteracting the pass rush against the Cowboys. And, you know, this is not the first game they've done this with Cousins dumping the ball off to Dalvin Cook, who absolutely ate up Dallas during the first half of that game last week. And Dalvin Cook, like just week after week, is that guy. He is just so, so dangerous. He He's broken more tackles as a receiver than any running back in the league. I think he's third overall among running backs. He's on pace to have the... Th- the highest yards from scrimmage in a season since Adrian Peterson's MVP year of 2012. Now, McCaffrey's actually is ahead of his pace, but that's how good Dalvin Cook has been. Unbelievable. This has all, this feels like one of those, we talk about, Wes, the the other side of this, but when they're at home, it's an early game against the bad team and the Vikings are just going to whip. It's going to be, you know, 28-7 late in the second quarter. Never, ever pick against the Vikings in that dome. Just don't do it. They're a different team, and their two edge rushers, Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter, in that building building is like having Joey and Nick Bosa on your team. You're saying I should flip my... Denver keeping it to a nine point, you know, I think closer this, than I, this is thing. This is the biggest lock of a blowout I see, I think. Couldn't mm. look in the mirror. The Vikings in that Juicy. stadium are just a different team. I, t- I take a look in the mirror. I saw nothing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's way over. So I walked away. Way over the uh, mic. Although Raiders-Bengals is a lock of a blowout, I would think. You saw nothing in the mirror. That's nothing. That raises concerns of its own. Wampir. <laughs> All right, uh, let us now move to the primetime game, starting with, I mean, again, Greg said it all. 
and I agree with him. Uh, the Bears at Rams. This is a game that should have been flexed out. It wasn't. So we will see uh, Mitch Trubisky in prime time um, on the road. Oh, that just sounds bad. That sounds like a disaster uh, because even even that, their win over the Lions last week, which snapped their losing streak, if you take out the three touchdown drives that kind of bookended halftime, it was another disastrous um performance, especially when you factor in how bad the Lions have been on defense this year. So not a ton of growth on the Bears offense, even in a win. Uh, I'd be most interested, Greg, in seeing how Jared Goff and the Rams offense looks because it's getting grim, real grim. Yeah, that was their nadir so far last week uh, in Pittsburgh. It, I mean, I'm, I'm sh- I tough to it, watch. Right. I'm not sure if embarrassed is the right word, but whatever it is that, you know, they have a lot of pride in their offense and they had three points and 15 drives. And I think that they had to have been hurting after that to get that dominated. And if you go back to last year, this game, which, which took place at the beginning of December was kind of the, the true beginning of when it started to fall apart for this offense. Cause the bears and the lions who did it the week before, but the bears really had that front that, that hurt the outside zone that the Rams love to do. And they were held, held them to six points and the thing that killed me last week was Jared Goff when he did have protection. And I know the offensive line was terrible. But the times he did have protection, you know, the, he, it's like he felt the heat. He had one play to Gurley where they had a screen set up and he just threw a fastball and there was no one near him. It was just kind of a young, panicked type of throws. And there was a few of those where they were just broken plays. They were ugly, where the ball was nowhere near the receiver or people were confused. And that's stuff you didn't expect to see out of the Rams. We've been harping on their offensive line since September. And since then, they've lost three guys. Their right tackle's out. Their Two center's out for week, the year. Yeah. And, you know, Joseph Nopem was was injured earlier in the year. So this is a makeshift offensive line. Right. I thought about locking this up and... For which side? For the Rams. And it's actually, it's kind of crazy. It's almost on the edge of that wouldn't even be uh, allowable under my uh, rules in terms of being a one possession, you know, uh, game. The Rams are pretty heavy favorites here uh, because they're two good defenses. And I think people are thinking, you know, these defenses are equal, really. They've been both top five, six defenses and Trubisky against a good defense is a disaster. But who knows? This could be a game where it's a turnover or it's a special teams player. It's a bounce of the ball. So I, I don't I don't even feel good enough to say the Rams are I, definitely winning. I'm not really buying that win over the Lions as a get well game. Me neither. It's Trubisky just two teams either. that are struggling. Right. They, they had 222 yards in that game. The fewest the Lions had given up before that was 370. Oh, go watch the, the final couple drives that Chicago had too. I mean, it didn't, it didn't last. Chase Daniel might play in this game. This... With the with the primetime lights on and Trubisky being as bad as he's been against a good defense that and the and the Rams really need this win and I always you know I put a lot into that when these teams that are hanging around 500 that are good teams or teams on the you know right on the bubble they got to go one way or the other I think the Rams del- deliver a big performance here and Trubisky flops. Let's address some other issues with the Bears since we talk about Trubisky every week. They are averaging their fewest rushing yards per game since 1970. They can't run. Wow. They can't run the ball. Uh, we know that mm. O.J. Howard is perhaps the most disappointing fantasy tight end in the league. He has 223 yards. The entire Bears tight end room combined has 223 yards. Trey Burton doesn't even have 100. Wow. 
James Daniels, the guy they drafted in the second round to play center, had to be shifted to guard last week because he wasn't playing center. Adam Shaheen, the tight end they drafted in the second round, was a healthy scratch last week. You're making me want to lock up the Rams. Nick Williams, a journeyman <laughs> defensive end who's playing because Akeem Hicks isn't in, is injured, has more sacks than Khalil Mack this year. This team has tons of problems. It's not just Mitch Trubisky. Right, and on the offensive side, no tight end action. You can't run the ball. What's tougher on a young quarterback than no security blanket at the tight end position, and their running game has been anemic week after week, a total disaster? Mm. All right. Le- Sorry, Bears fans. That was... Yeah, I didn't yeah. mean... Well, they, they know. Had, they know. They, they see know. It. They know. They, they, were, know, they, they didn't even get fun out of last week. It, it's been a rough season for them. And they haven't given up. Rank wrote an article this week saying the Bears have a better chance to make the playoffs than the Rams. For all the stuff we just talked about... <laughs> and then do what? If they beat the Rams. I mean... Well, he well then it's pretty close because they'll both go- be 5-5. and five and they're going to. It's and, an article and they to have, They have things that, that they can do. This is a big game for the Rams. I actually haven't given up on them as a potential wild card team because their defense is so good. Um, like, I don't think it's crazy to believe they that they're going to find a way to get to 10 or 11 wins. Is the, the, the Los Angeles Rams? I don't think it's that crazy yet. Their That's offense t- I'm not broken. giving up. They've... It's been it's been bad, the NFC but you're not going to you're going to play Pittsburgh every week. That, that means though, we were not getting Minnesota, we're not getting Philly or Dallas, or we're not getting a Seattle. team like the, Seattle in the playoffs in place of a Rams team that's not that fun to watch or that good. Things happen. Monday night football, the Kansas City Chiefs six and four shot themselves in the foot against the Titans last week. You know, had about seven thousand yards of offense around the field the entire game, and somehow they get beat by the Titans. Uh, now they welcome the Chargers four and six. The Chargers seemed like they were getting themselves back on track, and then they do not uh, get it done in Oakland uh, last Thursday. So they're four and six. So it is a absolute must win game. Mark for the Chargers, uh, but the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes, who could be healthier uh, another week removed uh, from his knee injury. It seems like a very tough spot. I thought Mahomes moved well and looked pretty good. And I, the one area, he had a little it, hitch in his giddy up. It seemed it's not. Oh. I'm not saying like 100 percent Mahomes, yeah. but it, it the the rest almost helped him with some of the ankle stuff and foot stuff that was going on earlier in the year. It was impressive to watch Derrick Henry rip through Kansas City's defense with big holes, and I wonder if that's if you're if you're the Chargers, you don't try something similar there because you can score on Kansas City, you can move the ball, you can sustain drives and keep Mahomes off the field. That said, a week ago, we were talking about the Chargers as the AFC surge team that's going to answer everyone's problems down the stretch, and. They, to me, just cannot get out of their own way. I know they're banged up, but you fall to Oakland, you lose this one in your home stadium on Monday night with a crowd that's probably going to well, be there. Like, in Mexico not, City. Oh, it's in Mexico. We're treating Mexico City. That's right. It's in Mexico City. Big one. I was going to say, that seems like it would be 60% Chiefs fans in that Charger Stadium, but it won't be the case. I mean, they had a great win, as we know, at home against the Packers. And it's not a, a sin to lose by two points in the black hole no, in prime time. That was a coin flip game. So I, I think... It it took wind out of their sails, no doubt. But I'm four not four and six. I'm not ready to say that that it was a it was the wrong thing to say that they can make a charge. But they have to win this game. What losing to the Raiders meant is now they have to beat the Chiefs. Otherwise, they're pretty much shot. Right. I don't I don't feel that comfortable locking against them. I'm going to and take the Chiefs. Me too. Uh, oh, double caboose. Because I think I you know I think the no. Chargers see trolley. Their their ceiling is very high. And they beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead, you know, last 
December in a, in a big spot. But this is not that same Chargers team. And I, ultimately, I got to trust what I've seen out of their defense over the course of you know 10 weeks. They're a little healthier now, certainly on the edges, and that could give problems. But I, they're just not a good defense. And you, if you're not a good defense and you're going up against this Chiefs offense that's as healthy as it's been all year. I just don't trust them to keep it under forty, and it, it's just a hard way to win if you want if you're trying to just run the ball with Gordon and Eckler the whole time. Interesting lock, boys. I I, I I'm with you, but also the Chiefs haven't quite, haven't quite put it together this year. It's in a neutral site, uh, you know, the air quality and mm-hmm. and the the height of where it is and all that stuff like. It could it's be a wacky game. wild game. There's way too much overreaction to the Chiefs' loss last week on a bunch of fluke plays. And we all know from Greg and the Patriots' stance that run defense doesn't matter. So That's I'm not, not what worried I'm saying. about the Chiefs' run defense at all. Um, they have their two of their best O-linemen coming back, Eric Fisher, who's been out, and they've been playing Cam Irving at left tackle, who was one of the worst left tackles in the league. Uh, Duvarney Tardif is coming back. Chris Jones is healthy. And... Here's the deal. Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey are just too damn good for anyone to stop them. So they're probably going to the AFC Championship and the Super Bowl. That's <laughs> now that's basically All right. I, I was like going to take them as I didn't. I wasn't worried about that. And know, Jason saying, Garrett's not bold, but Chris Wessling is. I'm not that's saying your next run head defense coach. doesn't matter. Yes, but she did. I he think, said they're trying to have people run on them. I think there is a, a school of thought. <laughs> no, this is you knew that was going to come back. This, is some, this is some real stuff. There's a school of thought, I, I think, that you funnel people into running. And you and obviously, there's like a breaking point. You don't want it to just destroy your team. Oh, but you would rather have you teams run on you. thing and not so easy on Twitter that you just let anyone run on you? Right. I mean, I'm saying, I'm saying like you'd rather <laughs> give up five yards per carry than you would – you know, seven yards per of attempt. Of You don't it's less want Lamar yards. Jackson and Mark Ingram leaving footprints on your back either. Let's get out of the lab. It's late. <laughs> wow. Um, and that's okay. So that's interesting. So we have, here's the lock situation. By the way, here are the lock standings. Uh, Sess and Greg tied atop uh, lock mountain at six and four. It's disgraceful. The old Zeuser. I'll take it. Riding a five-game winning streak is now five and five, a game out. Wes, three and seven. Speaking of must-win games. Oh, did you count? You got a full game for the Driscoll lock? I thought that was just like a half. <laughs> well, hey, I'm I a, called it before. He I'm was, on a one-game winning streak, am I? You're fine, bro. By the way, the Reddit board, seven and three. Nice job, Reddit. Nice job, gonna, Reddit. They get, we're going to have to send the trophy to just like Reddit headquarters. <laughs> <laughs> they, the, the, they're going to open it up in the lobby and be like... <laughs> Do we have to call the bomb squad? What's happening here? Um, Anyway, so Mark and I have the Saints, and Greg and Wes have the Chiefs. All right, we will be back, um, well, tonight, of course, uh, Thursday night recap, uh, and then on Sunday we will recap all the games that we just previewed. um, So that's fun. It's just fun how the wheel turns. It's a real joy. It's, it's, yeah, it feels good. feels good to do this show every week. Let's, uh, Let's enjoy the weekend. Mark, good luck tonight. Thank you. Let's have a nice weekend, have a safe weekend, and then come and do it again on Sunday. Sounds like a plan. All right. I'll see you game debut, and I will be what – what were your words? No, none of that hands like – Signature content. Signature I, I mean, I would definitely never – Was it? <laughs> Talk it's about weird how much credit I was giving you in, in this otherwise derogatory <laughs> sequence. It was nice. <laughs> it's interesting. That's why it was a little confusing and scary. It's always I always enjoy getting into Dan's mind and seeing how he really sees me. <laughs> Scary place. <laughs> Let's go. This is Dan Hansen signing off for 
Quiet Storm, the old boss. This is my show. And no one else gets it. The old boss. Ricky Hollywood behind the glass. And the mailman. Still Sunday night. And the mailman. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.